Welcome to the Voices Within podcast, and thank you for tuning in. In the Voices Within, we present the experiences of the members of Fountain House, individuals who live with mental illness. This episode is the second in a series highlighting how our members have responded to the coronavirus outbreak in New York City. In this episode, we focus on the challenges that our members have experienced during the COVID-19 pandemic. Our members will share a diverse range of challenges that they have encountered, including social isolation, impact on mood, shifts in their relationships with their doctors and loved ones, an impact on their everyday activities and increased dependence on others. Our members have faced many adversities due to COVID-19, but they have also been strong and resilient. We hope that you will find the stories that we present today to be enriching and relatable. My name is Judy Berman. I am an active member of Fountain House, including the Silver Center and the Center for Leadership and Education. I live with depression and anxiety. My activity in Fountain House helps me cope with my challenges. I also have experienced my own challenges as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. It is uncomfortable to wear a mask outside. It is a hardship to shop because of lines and empty shelves. And it has been hard for me not to be able to see my family as I normally do, especially my elderly parents. And now I'd like to introduce my co-host, Rich Courage, who is a wonderful asset to Fountain House. Thank you, Rich. Please tell about yourself. Thank you for that nice introduction, Judy, and I really appreciate you too. You're a wonderful asset to Fountain House as well. My name is Rich Courage. I've been a member of Fountain House for about 19 years. I have suffered with massive crippling depression. I've been hospitalized 13 times in my life, not in the recent years, largely because of Fountain House. It's a wonderful community. There's wonderful social events. There's plenty of work to do, data entry, cooking, things like tending the plants and maintenance of the building. And it's, it's just wonderful. I've also gotten jobs through Fountain House. I wrote a play called The Very Last Dance of Homeless Joe, which was performed at Fountain House to a very good audience. It's about people that are homeless. I also work there as a peer counselor, in which capacity I encourage and support members. I share my personal stories of recovery and struggle with them. I share other stories which I've heard in order to show them that recovery can happen and how it can happen and guide them towards their own solutions to their own problems. I have been a member and very grateful because through the social interactions of the clubhouse, through the work at the clubhouse, I worked in media, I worked on the newspaper, I did things like data entry, simple tasks, and it was very gratifying to me at the time because I wasn't feeling well. I needed to feel important. I needed to feel included. I needed to feel like I belonged. The staff makes me feel very welcome and like I'm an equal person in Fountain House. It's just wonderful. We work side by side. The house, the clubhouse, Fountain House could not function on a day-to-day basis without the members because there's not enough staff to run the whole house by themselves. That's the way it was designed. It's a wonderful harmony. It's just a, it's wonderful. We have a virtual community at Fountain House where we have tons of Zoom meetings, there's social meetings, there's work meetings. It's just amazing. 
And there are about 725 members engaged in the virtual community. And we are attempting to get smartphones, tablets, computers into the hands of members that do not have these devices that have not been able to engage in the virtual community. It's a very ambitious project and it seems to be going very well. And I look forward to seeing a lot of people get very happy when they can connect. So today we are going to focus on the challenges that some of our members have endured and overcome in some cases during this time of COVID. Hi there, this is Monica from Research. I'd like to share, um, as with um, many people, the uncertainty of these times uh, not working, um, you know, being for the first time in my life on unemployment, uh, changing routines. You know, missing the missing friends, not being able to go for my coffee uh, to the local deli, um, seeing everybody so stressed out. I'm stressed out, and um, feeling extremely hopeless, um, not being able to find resolution at all and not knowing uh, what I can do to change things. <laughs> Hi. <clears throat> Hi, my name is Holly. I'm a Fountain House member in the Wellness Wellness Unit and Silver Center. I am a mental health survivor and thriver. Um, I have faced many challenges during the coronavirus epidemic. Number one, uh, having to stay home and not interact with my fellow comrades and peers at the Fountain House community, not getting to share my talents and learn new skills at Fountain House. I'm also challenged by in the relationship with my family members, um, we're cooped up together. We get into arguments and disagreements, altercations. My boyfriend wants to leave me as soon as COVID is over. Uh, I told him that's okay because I'm independent and I'm empowered. And I have Fountain House to support me and through that. Another challenge is with my job. I'm a certified peer specialist. And I'm also um, a background actor for dramas and movies. And I have no, no work in both of those areas. I have lost income. I am an essential worker in mental health as a certified peer specialist. But I have three pre-existing conditions that limit me from my exposure to the outdoors. Another challenge is that I was tested for COVID-19 antibodies and I was deemed uh, negative, so I do not have antibodies. I am still very susceptible and vulnerable to the virus. I lead a Recovery International peer-led mental health 
community self-help support group um, on the telephone, teleconference. I normally do it in person. Um, and I now have to run that from my home on the telephone. And I have a barrage of uh, my peers calling me at all odd hours of the day and night. I do handle each one of them, but it has taken its toll on me. My hypomania, I'm bipolar, and my hypomania <clears throat> has redeveloped. Uh, I had to have my medication adjusted. It has occasioned arguments with my boyfriend and my sister. I have to find new things to do because I'm away from Fountain House. So I'm looking around my apartment for things to do. That's a challenge. Um, who wants to do laundry and who wants to unclutter? But, yeah, I have to do it. So that's a good thing. I take that challenge. Uh, my phone is full. I cannot download Zoom or any other Meet applications for video conferencing. I cannot get into Skype or Slack. So I have to buy a new phone now with the funds that I don't have because I'm not working because of COVID. I was very touched about Monica. Uh, I felt when she said she was hopeless, I felt so moved that I wished that she could come in and, and, and talk with us in person and just somehow comfort her. I didn't want her to be alone. I wanted to help soothe and comfort her. And Holly, I understood, I, I relate to this very, very much. It's very hard, especially when you're living with people, uh, you can't go outside and, you know, you could be at each other's throats. I, I heard, in fact, that there's been more domestic violence since people have been quarantined. Thank you, Judy. Having been very active at Fountain House over the years, doing a lot of filming and writing for the paper and interviewing people and at community meetings and social events, I've met quite a few people. I've met Monica. And what she did not say in the, in the uh, interview, was that she's a very accomplished person. She mentioned not working, but her work has been integral to her recovery. And I mean, she's, she's amazing. I heard her say hopeless, that word, you're right. It's a very dark word. It's a very strong word. It's a very powerful word. To use that really hit me too. And her tone of voice, she, I mean, to me, speaking for myself, she seemed sad and somewhat helpless to affect change right now with her work, with her routine, with her you know, can't see friends in person, the uncertainty about the future that we're all facing. I, I think she's dealing with a lot of challenges that we all are. And she spoke very well and very to the point. And you're absolutely right. She was, she was very, it touched me. And did you have any thoughts about Holly? Yeah. I mean, being homebound, not being able to share her talents and skills. I know I'm repeating what she said, but these are the things that really struck me. These are the words she used. Um, her family issues, you know, her boyfriend wants to leave her as a result of living with her, which might, who knows, might not have happened if they hadn't been stuck in a house for three months. I mean, talking about family and work, you know, she, she sounded a little frustrated and not so much sad, but vulnerable. You know, I mean, dealing with this illness, dealing with a lack of routine and then her tech problems, she was talking about not having Zoom. That could be really devastating right now. 
My name is Joe. The challenges I've had is just being able to go outside and then being able to go to the clubhouse and still learning about it. But I would say the advantages through this virtual, all the Zoom meetings, I've met people who I don't think I ever would have met just being at the clubhouse. And some people I recognize and like recognize me. So that's, that's well worth it. Hi, my challenge has been um, isolation. Um, I, I I live by myself, and I miss being around people. This is Manny from the Silver Center. Uh, the challenge to me regarding the coronavirus uh, thing is that uh, the social isolation is hard. But, you know, I, I get a lot of comfort from uh, private meditation and reading and doing the ordinary things of daily living, like attending my morning meetings or or uh, cooking my meals, attending to my apartment and then going to friends. So in the the, uh, the uh, social isolation has been a blessing in disguise. I'm able to reach out to people I may not have been able to reach out before. You can hear the social isolation and, and, and the need for more contact. I was especially moved by that third one with Manny. He, he really is isolated. Um, I know the, the middle one is, is actually doing some work, so she's not as isolated. And Joe, I know, uh, also has been connecting somewhat but Manny, I, I think, is extremely isolated. And, and uh, Rich, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I, as I said before, I've been very active and met a lot of folks at Fountain House, a lot of members. I happen to have encountered and met and enjoyed all three of these members in various Zoom meetings, social and um, also at a place I'm going to mention, the Silver Center. That is a program for people over 55. And Manny is one of them, uh, one of us. I'm 60 myself. Isolation. I've seen them in Zoom meetings. I can relate to their story. I've been in plenty of Zoom meetings, but when nighttime comes and the Zoom meetings are over, and I'm by myself, you know, the sun sets and I'm alone. I can call somebody on the phone, but it's just not the same. There's, you know, thank God for the structure in the day and the people I contact, but I can assume, I, I can imagine what these three members are going through. I know. What do you think about that, Judy? I agree with you. And I actually knew the first two members as well, you know, uh, Monica and Holly. Um, I know Joe, Leah and Manny. And I'm glad for the fact that we're able to see each other on Zoom, at least. I would be much more worried if I couldn't be connected with, with the people. And because I, I've been getting a lot out of my day on Zoom with Fountain House, thanks to the virtual Fountain House, I'm not as isolated as I would have been. And by the time the evening comes, because I, I devote so much of myself to the Zoom meetings during the day, by that time, I'm pretty tired out. So I, I get up sometimes in the middle of the night, but because of the connectivity that I have, I'm able to, to get through and I, I can lull myself back to sleep.
And I do, I do feel very empathetic and, and, and I feel very touched and moved by what everyone has been saying. I, an experience I experienced during the coronavirus was severe depression, which lasted around three weeks or more. I had to keep calling the hotline, and I still call the hotline every day because um, of the depression I've been feeling. During this time, I lost two dear people. One was my rabbi due to corona, and another person who had suffered a severe heart attack in Israel who was like a family member to me I knew over 30 years during this time. It's been very hard for me during this time, during the coronavirus. I've been very depressed, very sad, and now that I'm sick, I just came out of the hospital this past Thursday. I have lack of energy. I'm trying to gain my energy, but um hasn't been going as smooth as I hoped. And it's not due to corona. I don't have corona, but I am very weak. I'm not strong. I lost my voice. I'm trying to get my voice back. And I'm just not the same as I was before the coronavirus. And I'm doing the best I can due to circumstances, but um, I really could do better. I never thought I would have to tell my story because um, I never thought I would have to tell a story. Good evening to all. My name is Iris and I'm from the research unit. At the beginning of the pandemic, when things, when the government shut things down, was in March, sometime in March, and I wasn't feeling sick. I was healthy. But maybe a month into it, three weeks to a month into it, I, I started getting depressed. So I stopped doing the Zoom the Fountain House uh, virtual community. I stopped doing conference calls. I stopped reaching out. It was very trying because I'm a mother of two and a grandmother of four, and I I wasn't able to see my my children or grandchildren, and I wasn't able to see my Fountain House community. So it started taking its toll. I got very depressed, and then I started feeling anxiety. And the anxiety got very, very uncontrollable. I was hysterical, and, and I've been hysterical up until today. Today is Friday, June 19th, and uh, something told me this morning, just call the Fountain House warm line. So I, I stayed on, on the warm line call with a peer specialist. His name was David. Very, very wonderful boy. And he helped me, but the the warm line closes between 9 a.m. and 5 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. So I went back on the Zoom, even though I was terrified. I I was back on the Zoom, 
and thank God, thank God that, that the anxiety is manageable. I'm so grateful, so grateful to Fountain House, really. I can't wait until they, they open up. But but at least I'm I'm seeing them through Zoom, and that does give me comfort. Rich, could you please describe to our listeners what the warm line is and how it works for our members? Sure, Judy, I'd love to. During this time of COVID and massive isolation for many of our members especially the ones that don't have devices and can't go to the Zoom meetings. We have what's called a warm line at Fountain House. I and several other Fountain House peer counselors will answer the phone line, usually in the evening and throughout the night into the morning. Members call in who are lonely, who are having issues emotionally, mentally, physically, need support, need encouragement. Sometimes there's no problems. Sometimes they just call because they want someone to talk to. And we try to encourage and support and sometimes provide resources for them to turn to. We really have to salute our peer counselors. Both Jeff and Iris speak to the fact of how important our peer counselors are, how important our warm line is. And I I feel for both of them. Jeff lost people. He, he is, is feeling a tremendous sense of loss and depression. And Iris is feeling also a lot of pain of separation, of not being able to be near people and paralyzed with the feeling of depression and isolation. It's crippling. It's very debilitating. And I'm just very proud of the fact that we have a woman. I'm very proud of our peer counselors. And Richard, I salute you as a peer counselor. Uh, I'm very Uh, eager to hear your thoughts, and I I hope that this makes you proud to be a peer counselor. Thanks. Maybe you could tell my boss to give me a raise. But anyway, on a serious note, I can't imagine losing a family member during this time. I've had one member tell me they lost their family member and could not go to the hospital and could not hold their hand and imagine their family member calling out for them. And that just broke my heart. I, I, I was almost speechless. I, I didn't know what to say to comfort them. I finally did come up with something. I mean, I know we have at Fountain House, we have a lot of reach out calls, which are when staff and members call members, sometimes on a weekly, sometimes on an every other day basis to get in touch, to see, are you eating? Are you sleeping? But still, that doesn't really replace intimate, personal, in-person contact. And obviously, that's taking a toll. I mean, like you said, Jeff lost two people. He's, he's sick. And I've, I've seen Jeff around the house. He's very energetic normally. But he says, not now, you know, not since COVID. And Iris, I mean, hysterical every day. But that, on a good note, like you said, she went to a Zoom meeting at Fountain House, which, by the way, I, I think you'll agree, Fountain House community, the virtual community, is a very upbeat community. Most of the meetings are very functional, give you a sense of purpose, even the social meetings help you feel like you belong, something's going on, take your mind off the crisis. Sometimes I forget that there's a whole world out there going through hell. And this is a reminder. And, uh, you know, we do our best. Rich, thank you so much. And I would like to add that, yes, this also uh, punctuates the fact that I I have an 88-year-old 
mother and 90 year old father. And, you know, it's, it's been very trying. Uh, they, they live two buses away. It's been hard for me. I don't want to take the risk. And, you know, they took a taxi over to see me when I did finally see them. Uh, I actually wrote a poem about it in the fountain pen because they, they look more frail than I've ever seen them. And they were actually more frightened of being out, being in the taxi, being, you know, having the mask on and having the gloves on and everything. It, 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 this is extremely frightening for them because they're really, they're old and frail as it is. It's, it's just stunning. So I do understand. And I remember one time you said, Rich, that it's as important for us to have the tablets as it is to have housing. I remember you said those words and I agree with you. The, the, the connectivity is extremely important. It's as essential as food and room and board. So, you know, it, it's actually making the difference for people to be able to at least communicate on that level. Judy, we mentioned the fountain pen. Could you elaborate on that, please? What exactly is it? The fountain pen is a literary journal that we produce once a month as an extension of the Fountain House Times newspaper. This literary journal has contributions by both members and staff of prose, poetry, photographs, and artwork. And it comes out once a month, same time as the Fountain House Times. It's our literary journal. Good afternoon, my name is Vivian. Um, the challenge that I face during COVID-19 is a few of them, but really the one that sticks out to me is not having that one-on-one -on -one interaction with my therapist. I do see her once a month but I feel like the interaction and the connection that we need with our therapist is a bit of a challenge right now. And uh, our therapists, our managed care representatives, you know, and I think that's really important. That's really lacking. So if anything was a challenge for me, it would be the lack of connection between member and mental health professional. Hi, I'm Gail. I'm a health coach. I live in New York. What affected me with my um, COVID-19 is that I, I don't see the doctor as much. The person-to-person -person face is not the same as teleconferencing. But on the other hand, I do like working from home in my pajamas. I like the Zoom. I live in Queens, but I travel to Manhattan a, a lot. But going out Fountain House virtually um, really helps. And the education unit, they reached out to me, and I would like to um, take more health classes and coaching. I, I enjoy helping other people and give back to the community. I also like to help other people online on Zoom, be in a Zoom conference, and share what I learned from my story. I found there's a lot of self-help online that can help a lot of people with a recovery 
either mental illness or addiction. There's a lot of writing groups and art groups and Zoom. So there's a lot of plus sides to stay home. I concentrate on myself. I do some meditation. I do online meditation. So I feel this pandemic in the, in the long run is helping me discover new passions that I have and new desires for my goals. I'm just learning to be myself, by myself. Just because I'm alone, it doesn't mean I'm lonely. First challenge that I am suffering from will be the lack of communication and visit to my brother and my nieces. It has put a strain on my relationship with my family. Due to the fact that I have to speak with them over the phone and on video chat, but not having that personal personal quality time, such as watching t- television together or celebrating one of my nieces' birthday, which occurred on March 17th. It was the beginning of the New York City shutdown. Another problem that I am suffering from includes not getting to see my psychiatrist as usual, having to talk to them on the phone and not having the key face-to-face connection that I'm accustomed to. It feels like we have a better relationship as a doctor and patient when we are able to speak face-to-face while looking at one another. By looking at my, uh, by looking at me, my doctor will be able to examine if the voices in my head are attacking my concentration on what is important, such as health, while suffering from schizoaffective disorder. Vivian pointed out very, very succinctly how important it is to have a relationship with our doctors, especially as people with mental health concerns. A lot of people need the in-person contact with their therapist, and it's very hard for people to have to talk either just on the phone or by telehealth to talk to a therapist. It's not the same and uh, people don't have that ability. They don't have that comfort level. I understand where she's coming from. I'm able to talk to my therapist by telephone, not, not by video. And the thing is, I feel very comfortable doing that. A lot of people don't. A lot of people are phone shy. And I totally sympathize with Gail and also with Richard. Richard mentioned about how he feels that he, he's not able to have the same type of level of contact with his family, with his relatives. And it's not the same being on the phone. And, and Gail also mentioned about her, her doctor uh, and not being able to have that contact. And Rich, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Well, I know Vivian, and she did not mention, but she has organized and led a group about Meet the Staff at Fountain House where we have units at Fountain House. There's a communications unit that does the newspaper and the mail for the house. There's a horticulture unit, does all the landscaping and maintenance. There's, you know, various units do various things and different members like different units. Anyway, she organized this group that every week we get different staff to meet members who don't know those particular staff. It's wonderful. It's a common ground. And yet, here she comes out and says, I miss seeing my therapist. So obviously the Zoom stuff, while it's the meetings, while they're wonderful and it's good to connect, 
are not everything. And we have to remember that. And, you know, Gail says she's on this journey of self-discovery. And even though she's alone, she's not necessarily lonely. But she sounded to me, this is just for me, my impression. She sounded a little sad when she said it. She didn't sound excited about that fact. I mean, I think she's doing, you know, God bless her for saying it. But I'm sure it might be a struggle. It's a struggle for me and everybody else. And as far as Richard, you know, missing his brothers and nieces, here we come again with I miss my family and the same thread. You know, I can't see my psychiatrist. And, you know, I'm concerned about the voices in my head. That's something that I don't know from experience, but I know from having friends and speaking to people that have struggled with that. That's a big issue. That's a big issue to work on right now. So I feel for these people. Richard, I, I agree with you, and you, you express it so well. The challenges I face are simple acts of daily living are almost impossible. I have to do laundry. I have to, to fill up a bucket, do my laundry by hand, and getting out the soap out and wringing it out is difficult. It takes days to dry. I'm not allowed to go out of the house for anything. And when I and I only go out to take out garbage, mostly what my cats did. And I just um I go out anytime after eight AM in the morning or before nine PM, purposely to avoid seeing anybody on the street and any human contact. The challenges I face are I'm dependent on my at least I have the kindness of my landlord's daughter to food shop for me. But she's not going to comparison shop the way I do. So I'm, even if I put a food list, I'm at the mercy of what she can get me. And I have, I feel that it's it's tough. I can't do the simple things of even going to a park. But the positive aspects, I've got my three cats. I've got a porch to sit on. And I have loads of books to keep myself busy. And I'm practicing my art so that I can maybe do some freelance card making. Hi, my name is Mona Kay, and I'm from the Communications Unit. Um, the challenges have been many. Having uh, a compromised immune system, I've had to rely on the community where I live to do my laundry, to do my grocery shopping, and also to take me to my medical appointment for my bi-monthly infusions. I'm usually a very independent person, and I do everything for myself. So I'm very reliant on other people to do basically everything for me. So it's been kind of trying for me having to work around everybody else's schedule to assist me to get my daily routine met or my my weekly routine met or my bi-monthly routine met. And it's also made me realize how wonderful of a community I have where I live, where there are so many nice people willing to help and that have reached out to offer to do things for me. People I have never met in the year that I've been living here, new faces, new names, um, learned a lot of new things about people that I would never have known. But I have to be honest, with this comes a frustration, not being used to ask for help. Usually I'm one to offer help. It's hard to accept help from other people. So for me, it's been very trying and then trying to coordinate with everybody's schedule. It's been somewhat difficult. So these are some of the challenges that I've experienced as a result of the COVID virus. But 
all in all, you know, I'm humbly grateful to everyone that's reached out to offer to help. Oh, thank you. This this was wonderful. Louise was very elaborate and painstaking about how every single detail of simple activities of everyday life that everything has been disrupted and inconvenienced uh, that she's not able to go out and that she, she's relying on other people and that she has to do things a different way and how, how it's changed her, how it's caused tremendous hardship and inconvenience for her. And Mona, I know Mona and she's very independent and this is a hard thing for her to have to ask other people for help. And, and you know, she's got to be careful because of her immune system. And uh, I can relate to that. I can understand what it's like, you know, that you want to be able to do everything yourself. You're the one who usually is in control of everything and, and that you have to ask for help. And, and then you're not happy with some of the way it's done, that you're also realizing how helpful these people are and how important they are. We've seen a lot of that in the community. Richard, what do you have to say? I think you used the proper appropriate word, Judy, and hit it on the head when you said independence. I know Mona and Louise as well. Louise is a very active member of our art gallery. Fountain House has an art gallery, Fountain Gallery on 48th and 9th of Manhattan. Beautiful, reputable, well, you know, publicized and promoted art gallery. 60, 70 members. Louise is one of them. She does wonderful artwork. And yet here she is saying, I'm struggling. I'm stuck inside. You know, I'm, I'm, my cats are great, but I'm stuck with just my cats and, you know, want to do my art. And all I can do is sit on the porch. And there's Mona, you know, with her compromised immune system, happening to accept help and rely on people when she's not used to that. I know them both to be very independent in Fountain House. Um, Mona is very big on advocacy and saying what she feels is right and wrong. And when she feels something's wrong, she speaks up. And to, have, to be stuck in a house and not as engaged in life, in art or advocacy or whatever it is they want to do, must be very difficult. And then to have to rely on other people when you used to be very independent. And then I got to say also, I've seen this thread through all of our subgroups of aloneness, of isolation. It's really, you know, I encourage members to reach out, to try to get a, a device from your worker, from Fountain House to get onto Zoom, connect with the warm line, you know, ask for reach out calls if you're not getting them and just try to connect and, and hold on while we're waiting for this thing to get a little easier. Thank you, Richard. Before you mentioned that uh, even with Zoom that you perceive that people are very lonely. Yes, I agree. But in some ways, if somebody is has a hard time to be out and see other people, it still is an important connection to have in one's life. And, and actually, at times, it can be uh, life-saving. Like if you have some kind of a connection with a professional who can help you. Thank you, Richard. You've been wonderful. And I want to thank everyone who called in and participated. This has helped us to learn and grow and evolve and, and really appreciate what everyone is going through. I want to thank you too, Judy. You're one of my favorite people to work with. You're just very engaging. You have a big heart. You speak your mind. I love it.
I'd like to add that I totally embrace the challenges that people have been going through, myself included, and that we've also all suffered some very serious traumatic loss. And I applaud the Fountain House members and staff for the support that we give each other and for the fact that we're here. And also for the very swift technical commitment that was made to transition to a virtual community very fast to try to get people connected. And that has helped many people to be less isolated than we would have been. The newspaper as well. And the fact that we have phone pals, pen pals, and just the commitment that I see from everybody. It makes me very proud to be a Fountain House member now more than ever. Thank you. I have one more last note, positive note, before we leave this podcast. While this podcast revealed a lot of people's struggles and challenges, our next podcast will deal with people's adaptations to this environment, overcoming the struggles, overcoming the challenges, somehow dealing with them in a positive light to get themselves through this difficult time. So tune in for our next podcast. It's going to be really great. If you'd like to get in touch with us regarding this podcast or have any questions or concerns for the voices within, just email us at fhstudios at fountainhouse.org. The intro and interlude musical segments were used with the permission of Greg Stanger. The outro musical segment was used with the permission of Kane Delaney Balzer. So be them dreams before you have to leave. You shall be received and gone to believe. Carried away to another day. The words we all say and parts we play. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Fountain House.